0: We stand today. The business method with the business method. The
1: business method podcast.
0: The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence.
2: a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber businesses, and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand, Get Shit Done Live. It's 10 days of high-performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic. It happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at TheBusinessMethod.com. That is TheBusinessMethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show.
0: The Business Method.
2: Hey listeners, welcome back to the Business Method Podcast. We are excited to have you listening. On today's episode, we welcome a seasoned seven-figure location independent entrepreneur that started out building a sales company from his bedroom at the age of 17. At 22, he developed the first CD-ROM in South Africa, selling his company at the age of 24. And throughout the next 20 years, John Abbott continued as an entrepreneur, creating and growing businesses and mentoring over 200 people. Throughout the episode, we chat about John's experience as an entrepreneur, the importance of systems in our lives, the importance of results-based activities, how John trains entrepreneurs, and basing his life in Bali.
0: Entrepreneur's systems, methods, tools, and tactics.
2: John Abbott calling in from Ibiza, a rainy Ibiza it sounds like. How are you doing, John?
1: I'm really good. How about this office?
2: I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. I'm excited to have you on the show because uh, you were kind of a co-founder or co-creator of Freedom X Fest, which I just attended. I was fortunate enough to attend, and uh, you guys let me come out there and speak, which mm. you you took a big risk by letting me come out there because <laughs> who knows what I'm going to say on stage. <laughs> but uh, the festival was great, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited to to have you on the show um how is life post putting your time and energy for i imagine probably nine months to a year into a festival for the first time that's attracted 400 or so location independent entrepreneurs what are you guys doing now just relaxing in Ibiza?
1: yeah well well in all transparency um yes it was that much of, of time but really it's it wasn't it wasn't a lot of my time because as much as uh I am a co-founder of it. I am really my my role as mentor um, of the actual visionary, who's Estella. Um, but that was a job as well. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It wasn't it wasn't a simple process. And certainly during the festival, we were all hands in you know everyone doing everything that uh, you have to do to to make a festival happen, where we'd never run one before. So you know everything from building a tent and marquees to you know putting up. Uh, you know, um you know food and shops and bars and whatever had to be done, i was I was you know sleeves rolled up and uh, on the ground. so <laughs> it was it was great, actually. I, I enjoyed that. Estella and her team did an amazing job to hold it together and and bring forth what what occurred. And yes, for the last the last week, we've literally spent at least half a day every day just on the beach just chilling out just (laughs) relaxing no planning no nothing and um it's been awesome this is a this is a stunning little island i couldn't i can't believe how beautiful it is and it's my first time here and you know coming from bali i kind of thought i i had it all there but you know what this this place has got some extraordinary (laughs) beaches and extraordinary little coves
2: very cool uh had you ever created an event like that before john like freedom x
1: um, nothing, nothing that had as many moving parts mm-hmm. this is probably the best way to explain it. I've, I've you know, I've created and run, uh, events for over a thousand people, but in a controlled environment, you know, in a hotel, one or two stages or three stages we had in, in, uh, in LA, but it's in all in, all under, under one roof and it's all controlled and managed by a an entire hotel that does the accommodation, does the, the food, it does the setup of the sound, it does the staging, it does everything and you show up with your speakers and you put people in different in different rooms and you, know, you make some sales, but that's about it where we did all of that plus that mm-hmm. over six days in a remote location in the Pyrenees um, halfway up yeah, we're at uh, I think 1400 meters right up on the side of the mountain dealing with all of nature, uh-huh. who decided to rip through on the on the day before it all started, and whipped off. You know, I think eighty of our tents we had put up was blown away. <laughs> Two of our marquees were destroyed, and we had to start again. So, you know, but that's what that was the game. It was it was let's get into nature. Let's not just do all this work in a freaking closed environment in offices and bricks and mortar. Let's get out into nature and let's actually have a different game and a different conversation.
2: And it was very much out into nature, for sure. <laughs> mm. It was a great location, too. Can, mm. can you tell us, John, are, are we going to uh, be able to look forward to Freedom X 2019?
1: <laughs> um, as a friend of mine would say, if I'm a betting man, watch the space uh-huh. But in this moment, we have not made any decisions. Okay,
0: cool. <laughs>
2: well, I, I'm really glad to have you on the show. As I, as I mentioned, we we met briefly, but we, we didn't get too much time to talk. And um, as I started learning more about you, I was really impressed on some of the things that you've done starting a business at the age of 17 and then growing as an entrepreneur over the past uh, couple yeah, decades, I guess and um and also too is is one thing that i read in your bio is that you're known as someone that comes up with great ideas gets it done and gets results fast which i love measuring and getting results done fast that's why we do mm. our productivity events so i just like to kind of uh, learn a, a little bit about or share more about you as the entrepreneur that you are and so our listeners can kind of figure out who we've got on the mic sure
1: sure um so, background-wise, um, I've always been a bit of an IT head, so always loved technology, always kind of pushed the, like, the bleeding edge, I used to call it, of, uh, of technology, and, um, and, you know, that, 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 that first business I started at 17 was actually selling XT computers, 80, 88 <laughs> processors, like, that kind of gives you a sense of my age, at, you know, at 30 I've done a lot, mm-hmm. of course not. Uh, so, um, yeah it's been it's been almost it's two and a half decades of of being an entrepreneur and that just evolved it evolved into into multimedia it evolved into design it evolved then into the internet and, and uh, it uh, it naturally evolved in building applications to 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 market for clients um, and it's it, the, I think the I think the big if I look look back at the consistent thing that that I did, I always looked for the things that I needed most as an entrepreneur to help me build a business, to help me develop and to grow, and most of them were systems um, over that time, being yeah. you know, originally computer systems all the way to you know actual software systems and then online systems, and that has absolutely been my consistent thing. And now, really, I've evolved into you know how do we how do we actually do entrepreneurship, you know, faster, easier, um, you know, with more ease and grace, I guess you could say. And, um, and that's kind of really where campaigning became a big part of, of my, my interest and, uh, and helping people build, you know, really highly effective campaigns, launches, whatever you want to call them promotions that, um, essentially can be the heart and soul of the growth of your business. Um, and uh, yeah, so everything I do now, in this moment, is show people how to do that in the most most simple, effective way, which is best for them. Um, I think that's the the best, the big part at the end of that, which is best for them, because not everybody is the same. Everybody has different natural abilities, natural ways, and skills that they also you know kind of learn along the way. But if you can find things and help them do things in a way that's most you know connected with their natural way they'll do it with far more ease and grace and they won't fall over as easily because they'll have far more resilience in in doing it because they'll have far more energy and more excitement because they're doing the stuff that they naturally do easily
2: i definitely want to talk more about systems because i love systems and i think um you know we can never learn enough about systems and applying those into our lives. They're, they're so important as entrepreneurs. Um, you know you, you, you've done some amazing things. So at seventeen, you started a computer sales company out of your bedroom. At twenty-two, developed a CD-ROM called "Apartheid: The History of the Struggle uh, for, for Freedom of South Africa." Twenty-four sold a company to a, a multimedia development agency. Twenty-eight. Then bought that company back 30, created digital junction and sold the first 200,000 5% of shares in the company at 34, which is pretty impressive. And the list goes on and on. I, I want to talk really, cause this is interesting at 22, you developed a CD-ROM in South Africa, which is where you're from. Mm. apartheid and you released it on the eve of the release of nelson mandela and i'm sure just living in the country at that time and experiencing that had to be an amazing historical event but also to create something a business or a product during that time and you can release it i'm curious how did that how did that all play out for you as a as a young man in south africa
1: so now you're tapping into the heartstrings of my soul. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, this this is this this journey of Africa and away from Africa and back to Africa is a very big one for me and very relevant right now. Um, and creating that product and seeing the unspoken news in that in in the country that I was growing up in. You know, I'd been living in a on a farm area where, you know, let's let's be clear, you know, we had slaves essentially working for us. And we weren't they weren't slaves in the way that we owned them or anything else, but the, you know, there was slave labor, mm-hmm. and it was it was a pretty horrific, I believe, looking back, a horrific way of treating human beings, and and I had I had some serious issues with that and um yeah then having the opportunity to actually see this this information that kind of came into the country um which came flooding in from um, from from essentially from London it, it was all being um, saved and stored and recorded and history history which wasn't being told you know in Africa was was being told other places so to see that and then to be able to create something and put it out and go well this is actually what our real history is everything that you've that, you know, you, the South Africans are learning in school, in the history books and stuff. like that. literally could be burnt after that day. When I, when I, I spent pretty much a, you know, a day going through video and audio archive archives, um, in, um, in this, this Maya Boya center in the university of Western Cape
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, literally, literally in tears. Like, and I'm, I'm tearing up again. It's, uh, it's pretty extraordinary what went on and then even more extraordinary that another human being could make a stand for for that you know FW de Klerk who actually you know made the decision to release Nelson knowing for sure that that would be the end of the white white man reign or the white human reign or whatever in Africa and having the heart to do that and having the guts to actually make that stand because he would have had Literally everybody, um, everybody against him in that moment to, you know, to try and keep their power in the country. And so, from that perspective, huge respect. And then watching Nelson Mandela come out and walk around with such extraordinary, extraordinary hum- humility mm-hmm. was, you know, that's that that was my hero right there. And and. Uh, yeah I, it was an extraordinary time and an extraordinary opportunity and probably one of the most um, impacting events in my life um, of which I then I then left Africa uh, for 17 years. Um, and uh, literally I returned this year for the first time in 14 years of not being back and really rejecting the country out of my out of my history and and really bringing it back in and going, you know what this is, these are my roots. Um and just going through a whole forgiveness process of that as well, being able to just go, You know what this this all is perfect, everything that happened here is perfect, um, and look at what's come out of it. you know a country that you know that really had a huge amount of suppression happening actually made a stand to change that, and there's so many countries in the world that are still hiding it and yeah. hopefully the you know these these are the these are the events in, in time that that occur where people have to look it was just like oh my god that's happened and there it is and and then when anybody else is doing anything different then now now we have something to compare with well how come these guys aren't doing it or well, how come these guys aren't doing it and then we can put pressure on them and we can you know slowly persuade them to to shift and change their ways and and the way that we look after humans on this planet.
2: How did how did the sales of the CD-ROM do after you released it?
1: We we sold out. To be honest, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest we, we I think we sold two and a half or something, two and a half thousand, three thousand more. Um, literally on on the first on the first batch that we released, we printed we printed um, like a full full amount and they all went off. Um, and after that, I don't know because I sold. I sold out after after we released it to uh, um, to a company that you know, that uh, you saw saw in there, which ended up being a very very large publisher who now owns the rights on that. So, um, but yeah, I, I was I was probably young and naive in that in that moment, but that's uh, that's what I, I needed in, in that time to. To justify all the time and effort that went into building it, and the fact that I probably earned very little money whilst developing it and being a programmer on a computer building (laughs) building a multimedia product, which you know, in in hindsight and looking back in my life and going, that was interesting times, and I would never do that again. (laughs) In this moment, because it's just clearly not me. There's far better programmers out there, far far smarter, far faster far more creative than I could ever be um, and my job is to stay in the things that I do which is go out and market and talk to people and and help people uh, do things you know more on, a, more on the sales and marketing side of, of business but I had to go through that to be able to sell it to actually have a product I could go sell and I could feel totally um, aligned and purposeful with that I could go out and sell which was which, which was easy. yeah like it it happened so easily. We just got a distributor so fast. they took it. they took it to the u s and they just they just launched it.
2: So you mentioned that you left South Africa for fourteen years or seventeen years and just recently went back having not be back, been back in fourteen years or so. Uh, I'm curious. The idea of the matrix that a lot of people talk about, especially location-independent entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs, I think for me is like the idea of getting out of our own systems and paradigms that we're in into something that we're more comfortable with or want to create. So um, what is the matrix for you?
1: <laughs> it, everything's the matrix for me. It's it's all of the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, uh, I guess it's, the, it's, it's the two different illusions. It's the, it's my illusion of what my my world looks like, and it's the illusion of of those who create the laws and create the um, the. Um, if we if we were to look at it as music, it's the it's it's those who compose the music, you know, and the music that most people listen to, that most people move to. Versus the music that you decide to compose for yourself, um, but they're all the matrix, um, and I just decide which matrix I play in. Um, and I, I guess the the music for the masses didn't didn't really resonate after a while. Um, and getting in the car every morning, driving to the office, sitting in traffic for an hour, you know, going to the office sitting there for you know, not, not eight hours because, you know as, as you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be the first person in the office, open the doors, you've got to be there all day, and then you've got to be the last person out to lock the doors. Um, and when you've got an IT company, um, and I had you know, an IT company with 50 programmers and, and salespeople and marketers and, and directors and everything else, um, I was there for you know, 15, 16 hours a day consistently. And I think... I think when when you do enough of that, eventually something something breaks. <laughs> right. Um, and and for me, the actual um, pursuit of success and money was what actually broke me because there was never enough. I didn't have an enough switch. There always had to be more. There always had to be another one, and there had to be, you know, if this business is doing great in, and income, then no, let's build another one. And then if that's doing well, then let's build another one. And um, I did that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll use the word aggressively
0: because
1: it really was. Um, it was unconsciously and aggressively. Well, actually, no, consciously and aggressively. And um, ended up with about five different companies that really were all Kind of connected in financially in some way because of you know the incomes I was generating in each one of them, um, and then we had that beautiful GFC that uh, gave me the lesson that I needed to learn that um, that that really um, gave me an opportunity to let that all go. <laughs> what, what's the GFC John? The global financial crisis. Ah, gotcha, okay. So at at GFC 2007, 2008, 2009, when when that all played out, I was sitting with 18 properties, um, a 12-unit development, um, the IT company, a um, co-working space, um, a um, marketing company, a um, uh, marketing company for a speaker and a marketing company for property. And That's I think I've lost, I think I've missed one out. But I had all of these <laughs> things and it was interesting because like one, the first one fell over and then the second one fell over and then the third one fell over and it was just a dominoes. Doom, 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 mm-hmm. doom. And with, within, a, within 12 months, I had I had made very, very fast decisions and probably not fast enough. I could have done them Probably in one month, but it took me 12 months because I'm a, a bit slow <laughs> to uh, to to kind of get out of you know to get not to get out of him, but to actually shut them down and then start the process of 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 um, negotiation to actually you know close them down with with integrity. So um, yeah, that was that was I think that in in all of that came that that moment of fuck it all. Like, seriously? <laughs> is, is, have I just done all of this to create this chaos in my life? Um, and it was, it was literally lying. You know, this, is, this, for me, was, was child pose in the corner, like a you know, real depressive state, and, and kind of slapping myself out of that or having a beautiful mentor who slapped me out of it mm-hmm. um, by, by threatening not to be my mentor. Um, and that was <laughs> not to have him as my mentor was more frightening to than to having slap me around. So I, I knew I needed that. So you know, I, I was able to get you know get forward and actually move forward with his help and and actually you know resolve and close and 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 do all the things, negotiate, the things that you needed to do to be able to close up without. Um, without going into into actual voluntary bankruptcy and and uh, liquidation, which was great, I was able to do that, and I learned a huge amount of lessons, and I taught many people how to do that after me. Um, but do as I would next time, I'll just go bankrupt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I I know you're feeling. <laughs> I I lived through that too as an entrepreneur as well, and learned many lessons. Um, I think
1: we have to. I think yeah. I think it's part of of the learning lesson, and if. Uh, th- yeah, my, my part of this, and and there's far more consciousness around what I'm doing as well these days that that really probably helped me stay further out from that occurring. But that said, if you're not playing the game at at you know and, and pushing kind of like the limits of what you know and getting outside of what you know, then uh, you know, I don't I don't know how much you know you can that, that's where the learning happens. It happens on yeah. on on those edges. Of, of doing things that you had no idea how to do a moment be, a moment ago.
2: And you mentioned something uh, a little while ago, and I think I don't I don't remember the exact terms you said, but closing the business with integrity or or folding or yeah yeah. Do you remember what you said?
1: Yeah, it's 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 essentially what what do you do to when when you've made a promise, mm-hmm. a financial promise or whatever deliver. promise is and you can't deliver on it yes you 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 have you have to make a new promise um and you have to you know in some case you have got to negotiate what that new promise is um and sometimes that promise is that i can't pay you back are you going to be okay with that and that's you know with some of the banks i definitely had to do that Mm. and and, uh and they to be honest they had to be okay with that (laughs) and uh but with, with with the people who I loved and trust who actually provided a service and were, were helping me and, and stuff like that, I wanted to make sure that I got as much of that back to them as as possible without, again, over committing myself and putting myself in into a, another lengthy process of payments and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's for me, it, it had to go through a process of at least communicating it to a level where You could come to an agreement with that other person because it's you know there's two we're just human beings and as long as we're okay with things even if even if it's it's upsetting and whatever else look you know it's it's good to have those conversations and get it out the way clear it write up that that agreement or you know know, write an email whatever needs to be done and then move on.
0: Yeah,
2: and I think people really recognize that too because. You know they know you're not running from it, and when you know, when they know you're not running from it, it gives them it makes them respect you just a little bit more, which is mm. what a lot of people you know it's not their first reaction. It's the first reaction is oh shit, what am I going to do? And they they try mm. to hide from it.
1: Yeah, and to be honest, they, they don't respect you in the moment when you talk to them quite often either, and yeah. hopefully that happens later. At least, at least you have a conversation. You, 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 you clear up. This is like such a big thing for me. You clear up the past. You clear up anything that's unspoken, unsaid, that energetically is there, that yeah. you know is there, either from them or from you. Go and clear it up, because um, while it's there, it's like it's like you're dragging shit behind you, yeah. and it slows you down. I, I, I believe that all of this stuff that we don't deal with in the past actually affects our future as much as you might you know go oh i don't care anymore it if it's there and it's unresolved it i believe energetically there's something that holds holds on to you and yeah I, i believe that the best way to move forward is to clear the past up and the more you clear the past up the more the future becomes you know easy to move you know towards and move towards you faster as well
0: yeah
2: now, you, we were talking about the matrix, and you mentioned systems and changing systems and participating in systems. And this is something that I'm pretty passionate about, you know, becoming aware of the systems that we're involved in and whether they're serving us or not serving us, and whether they're um, helping us achieve our dreams or they're really hindering us. So I'm curious, what are some of the systems that you choose to be a part of that really help you, I guess you could say, either become more free or Mm. help you achieve the results that you want to achieve?
1: Well, I I think, I think more, more on a, on a, a mindset of, um, of this, I guess, let's call it location independence in this moment, because I think that's freedom of location. Um, that's that's probably the, the biggest system out there that's, that that people are hooked into, which is you got to go get yourself a job, earn an income, pay your tax, buy your house, pay the mortgage, buy the car, pay the loan, yeah, <laughs> and on and on, you know, and you know, have, have the child, get them into the school. So like that's that's the system for me, you know, that that's everyone, you know, that's the majority of humans buy into, um, and. Yeah, it's, it's usually crippling. So, my 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 restructure of that for me was, number one, move to a, an environment that has me not having to get into a car and go to an office. So, like that was number one. Hmm. So, I moved to Bali. Um, that way, I knew <laughs> I'm not going to do the normal things. I'm not going to get up and go to the office. I'm not going to go to to business meetings and all those types of things that I used to do. I'm not going to have to get up in the car and drive to the accountant anymore and all those things that I used to do where it was part of, you know, maintaining the system. Um, So get out, go into a totally new environment that no longer has any of the structures that I can kind of hold on to anymore and work out another way. And when you put yourself in a new environment, you have to show up differently. You have to, um, Change the, the way that that you operate, and you know, a lot of your beliefs have to shift and change in that moment, and they do um, as you as you kind of evolve what what you create. So so that was my number one. Do that, and number two was get out of the system of of paying the taxes to a to a country where you ha- really have zero control over. So I'm looking at I'm looking at what do I can what do I control, and what other what are the things that I can't control. Mm-hmm. I can't control the amount of tax I get taxed when I'm when I live in Australia and I'm a um, you know, um, I'm resident for tax purposes. So I'm no longer resident for tax purposes. So that was my next thing: take myself off the system, tick that box, and go. Okay. So if that's the case, then what else can I do with that money? Um, and that's when you know you kind of look around and you go, okay. One, number one, I can reinvest that back into the business so that I can create a better business which is great. I can put some more into my family, which is great. I can create different things that um, are more purposeful for me. So, you know, joining B1G1, Buy One, Give One, which I spoke about at the FreedomX Festival, um, which is all about transactional giving. I implement that straight away into my life and into my business so that I can now, rather than that 48% personal tax plus the business tax, which, you know, was up to maybe 20, 30%, now I can take that and I can put that somewhere else. Um, and you know, instead of going out and actually having to give myself a, a loan on my on a property, I just bought a bought a piece of land and I financed it myself, rather than going to the bank to finance it. So now I don't have a mortgage, but I have a home. Um, and you know, then you know, as 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 I I had the opportunity to to adopt a beautiful. Little girl in in, in Indonesia, um, Allegra, um, I was able to go through that process and finance all of that, and then, you know, have her looked after and schooled and and you know, there's just there's a more abundance for you to work with, if if I can put it that way. And when you're in more abundance, you create more abundance, and you can do more good and purposeful work. So, I, I think I think the big thing for most entrepreneurs is, is like they get caught up in Purpose and contribution. Contribution starts at home. You've got to sort yourself out first. Contribute to yourself. Get yourself into a place of abundance before you know deciding that you want to give all your money away to this charity or that charity. You are the first charity. <laughs> 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 Make sure that you're okay. And whilst you're doing that, look, you know, look and find you know those deeper purposes that that, that, that you have that you can financially contribute to. But then. You know, whilst you're doing this you can also contribute to time and energy and effort and assistance to those causes that you want to do without having to, having to be financial up, you know, initially
2: John what are some ways that you tap in or tune in to uh, your abundant mindset so for example you know like I find myself challenged with oh I'm thinking scarcity how can I think more abundance I'm wondering what are some, what are some ways that you
1: implement that <laughs> well i I generally have to wait for scarcity to show up <laughs> but it does you know, and and it's it's like it's like anything you know I, I I believe everything for me happens in in cycles. there is you know I, I, my, my sense is is that there's there's a huge floor in this this idea that you can build a business and every quarter you're gonna you're gonna you know build it by another ten percent or three percent or five percent Now, like, like the pressure that's put on on um, listed companies to constantly quarter on quarter have to make more money is 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 I believe a male generated pressure around money that is not sustainable. It is not it is not recognizable on the planet in any way you look, at, you look at any growth process whatever there's a planting process there's a nurturing process there's a growing process and then there's you know it fruits and and it bears a fruit and you take the fruit to market you know, and then you start again but we somehow think that our businesses can just constantly just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And, and that puts a huge amount of pressure on on us and I, I still find myself and catch myself in that process and that usually is the way when I would fall into scarcity because when that doesn't work in that way, I look and go, oh my God, it's failing, it's broken and I kind of fall into that, that little loop and uh, it's it's conscious now so I can see the loop happening and I can have the conversation with myself which is one of letting go. and. And that, for me, is as more of whenever that shows up, the scarcity and the the um, the tenseness and the fear and whatever else is is in that moment with with me, is to do less, is to go out, hmm. go go and find something that's going to nurture my soul, and you know either be with myself or be with my partner, or go do something fun, get on my bicycle and go for a mountain bike or. You know, do something for yourself in the moment of of these these conversations that happen and it's that's the hardest thing because you my old process would be work harder go do another deal now my process is breathe do nothing and wait yeah be un, be uncomfortable in the waiting and i promise you just when you think it's all about to go yeah you know, up It doesn't. It actually doesn't. It does the exact opposite. The next most beautiful opportunity, project, um, possibility shows up for you, but it shows up not from your place of scarcity now. It shows up from a place of total acceptance.
2: You mentioned some of the bigger systems that you participate in to help you become mm. more free and abundant. What are some of the smaller systems, maybe the day to day systems that you use? For example, like I mm. use Brain FM to keep me more productive, and I like yeah. to automate my money as much as possible. Uh, what are yeah. some of those smaller ones that you like?
1: Um, well, you know, on, on a day to day basis, you know, getting into the body, yoga, um, in the gym, um, doing something physical. You know, I, I definitely believe the more we can get out of our heads on a day-to-day basis, the more we can, you know, allow that energy to, to kind of dissipate through our bodies. The the less stress we're going to have on ourselves. So I, I do I do physical work as often as possible, um, be that swimming or whatever else. Um, and and meditation. I I love meditation. It's uh, it's something I learned when I was thirty, which was all of twenty eight years ago. So I've been <laughs> meditating for twenty eight years, and it's yeah. From, again, it's 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 this, this opportunity for us to to allow our minds to just you know be settled um, and get out of the 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 conversation, the this this other this other you know potentially an ego or whatever it is that goes on. In our minds, which kind of drives us nuts. Um, so, like, those are my those are my two primary things. It's like literally that, I'm, and yeah, there's you know, I've, I've got lots of things systemized in in banking, um, you know, in, in processes around you know moving money and paying for things and whatever else. And that is awesome. But you know, I, I did that a long time ago, and it's probably I, I probably don't see that as much anymore because it, it is there and it and it works. But uh, yeah, the things that I feel every day is, how do I get out of my head more to allow myself to actually be less critical, less hard, less stressed through the mind? And I know that the moment I can do that, my whole whole physiology changes, my temperament changes, the way I respond to things changes. Um, I'm no longer in a reactive mode. I'm in a... Um, you know, a mode of creation versus you know reactive cre- reactive um, kind of like cleanup, if, if you know what I mean? yeah, it's uh, it, it the creation process is is where I love to be. I love I love starting with white white pieces of paper um each day, I just blank paper, and you know I do this all, as well on a, on a regular basis with the business, we actually clean the state of our entire business. We put a brand new piece of paper out and we go, so if we had nothing today and we were to start a brand new business, what would it look like? And we keep, I, I play that game almost every year. I
2: like that. I like that a lot. Now I, I know you've trained a lot of entrepreneurs, and as we mentioned, you're you're focused on getting results. When training entrepreneurs, what are some things that you do to help them achieve better results faster?
1: Mm, well. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on my, uh, <laughs> my, 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 brain hat at the moment, because, um, this, yeah, this this part I, I really love this. It's, um, it's a process of being able to help people get what you know, the parts of what they already know on paper, and then fill in the blanks or the parts that they don't know with things that are simple when, when guided. But when in when in looking at them, might be totally overwhelming for ourselves. And we all need mentors. You know, we, we we can we can see so much of of our a certain amount of our potential, but there's so much of it that we can't see, and we need others to help us see that. And that's where a mentor comes in, that because it's so much easier to see other people's value that they bring to the world and their 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 abilities. Than it is for them to see it, and sometimes it just needs that reminder. So I, I use I use a, a beautiful process um, which I which I've developed Very called fun. campaign mastery, um, and essentially it's you know, I take them through a process of 10 uh, Ps to to uh, to running a highly sec- uh, successful promotional campaign, and uh, and a big part of that is writing out a plan. And putting all the aspects together of the plan, and when you do that, and you kind of start looking at all the aspects of what needs to happen, and you just dump it out, you realize how much easier it is than what it was in your head. So just the process of getting it down on paper is a huge part of it. And then then putting them through, you know, what uh, what would what some would call the shark tank, where they've got to do their best in pitching it to me. Um, and then giving them feedback on how they could do that better, or potentially uh, the things that they could add to it, or you know different ways of them finding their target audience, or even you know better ways of even describing their their, their audience, or better ways of um, framing up the the offer, you know, making it so so highly irresistible for that that audience. Um, how to partner and how to connect with people and and involve them and invite them in. That uh, has them wanting to do business with you no matter how big they are. Um, so, yeah, g- helping people just see the potential of what they have, the goldmine they have as themselves and their business as a united unit.
2: Now, I, I love marketing and sales, and I know you've created um, some effective marketing and sales strategies, and you kind of, I-, I think you group it all together and call it the giving model. Now, you know, marketing and sales products and methodologies uh, have a lot of different terms, but not always called the giving model, you know, not something around like a word like giving, you know, high productive sales training and something that's more intense, right? So can you share with us more about what the giving model is?
1: No, I'm not going to tell you anything about the giving model today. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Well, how, how I love to kind of term the giving model is, how not to sell anything ever again.
0: Mm.
1: So when when I start with that conversation, when, when I sit with somebody, I go, hey, imagine you did a, an event or a webinar or some kind of launch where you know you invited people in, you gave them great value, you took them on a journey, on a process, and you, at the end of it, rather than selling, you just gave it away.
0: Mm.
1: Because we all know that when we have those people who have followed us on that journey to that end place, that if you ask them if they want your thing and you are gonna give it away for free, and you ask them to put up their hands if they wanted it, you get all the hands. Everybody's hand goes up. Right. So that's, that's essentially the, the, the primary um, end result of the giving model, is that we end up giving the, the products away. And we don't give them all away. Because <laughs> of course we gotta make we've got to create a, an income and we've got to build it, but we give at least one away. Um, or we 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 build a a fund where we fund people in. Um, and all of it's based on an application. So an example would be um, one of my one of my biggest clients um, at the moment is a guy named Tyler Tolman, who's an extraordinary health coach. You know, talks about um, how you can heal the body naturally, um, and runs. He runs amazing retreats around uh, around Bali in Australia, and he does tours around Australia. Um, and when he comes off those tours, he does do a pitch at the tour. He pitches his entry level program, which um, is like a fifteen hundred dollar program, three days workshop, etc. Um, and he, you know, on a on a good day, he'll do fifteen percent conversion rate. And um, he'll do a tour with 2,000 people. So after, after everything's done, you've got 1,700 people that didn't buy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, the first the conversation that I have with him is like, what happened to the other 1,700 people? Did you, what else did you do? And in general, nobody has a very effective follow-up mechanism after they've made the pitch. Once they've done the pitch, then that's done, isn't it? Yeah. You can't kind of like re-pitch again, can you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Maybe. yeah. And, and some people try, and sometimes they get a result, but in general, they don't have a, a method that actually does it. Yeah. Um, so, so this method work, works really well in this environment. It works well in many environments. In this particular environment, we go back to that 1,700 people with, with a campaign that gives away one of his high-end programs. Because I I know for sure that when people come to events and you offer them like your entry level thing, there's a bunch of people sitting in there going, "No, that's not for me. I, I want to go for the big thing." Right. You know. There's also a bunch of people who would like to do the, the entry level thing, and you know if you if they knew about your big thing, then they'll go definitely want to do that. <laughs> um, and of course, there's a bunch of people who just want to do something with you, but they had questions that were unanswered. And especially if you're in a room with 2,000 people, it's hard to get find somebody you can have a conversation with in that kind of environment. So you end up just kind of maybe standing in a line for a bit and then looking at yourself going, stuff this and you go home. So, so there's all these people. And in his case, 1,700 of them. <laughs> so, so we go out, we, let, we, let, we give away one of his big programs, which is a nine-day fasting program in Bali, full retreat, um, it's worth 7,500 US or something, it's an amazing program, and he gives the whole thing away, and as part of, of giving it away, there's, there's a few aspects of, of why we do that, number one, we want to know more about the people in the room, because you don't, you know, how, how often do you get to know about all the people who are in your room, when you're standing on the front of the stage, right. very, very seldom, so let's find out more about them. Why they came, what they, what value they see in you, what value they see in your programs, and as as a you know as a, a uh, incentive for them to do that, give away your program. Um, and you know the process from there is get applications to come in, people who would love to do your program, have them tell you, you know, all of these these things. And the, the primary question you really want to know is you know one that's an emotional question, which, which is how would this program change your life, specifically if, you, if you're if you unhealthy or you're dealing with some kind of disease, um, and you get some extraordinary applications coming in, um, ones that, that will floor you and have you in tears, um, which is amazing. Um, so you really get to know your audience, you get to understand what they're dealing with, and you get to give one of these, your programs away. And then as a second prize, or as a second scholarship, or, or however you want to term that up, you give a certain amount of money towards the program. Um, and what we've learned is that you don't even have to give it at anything less than what you offered it at the event because now you're in a conversation with somebody. So we actually then get on the phones and we we shortlist all the people who put in extraordinary applications who didn't win the first prize and we speak to them as human beings. You know, imagine this, human-to-human human conversations. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get we get... Get in out of our comfort zone and we actually have a real conversation with a real human being we find out what's really going on we can then understand what value they're seeing it Well, we can read that as well but we can take them through a process and you know we can then negotiate and help them actually into number one the best program for them because it might not even be the program he was you know he was talking about at the event or the program that we're offering it might be a totally different program or a totally different thing um And we can negotiate financing and all sorts of things in that conversation. And we all know how much higher our conversion rate is one-on-one. Right. So that—that's essentially what the giving model does. It allows us to get, um, you know, applications. We, we, in general, get about thirty-five to forty percent of the room out of the seventeen hundred will apply. And on on conversation, thirty to forty percent conversion rate. Wow. Conversation. So. Um, we would of, we will often <laughs> well he, he he if he was listening to this uh, um, he knows it but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not it 's not great to know because like, you know, if you have some egos when you get on stage and we make a pitch, but we often outsell him for, after the event um, <laughs> from our sales team and that 's a great thing because like you know, imagine every time you did a webinar or did an event or whatever else, and whatever your result was, you just doubled the amount because you had a follow-up process. Of course. That's, that's the kind of stuff that you can expect from this. And there's lots and lots, like I say, of ways of rolling this out, which uh, I find not I, I unfortunately take you through today. But um, yeah, that's, that's the essentials of it. Um, give, give your product away rather than trying to sell it.
2: So, so you gave one space away for the event, not a, a bunch of them, right? Or...
1: Well, well, it depends. Um, one of my clients recently gave seven away. Um, And and that that was for her um, Author Awakening Adventure um, six-week authoring program that she she did online. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in her case, a lower cost in that. But, you know, her commitment was that – and, and, you know, her process was different. She did a – her process in the funnel um, was a a five-day writer's challenge. Mm-hmm. that she did and we had on average day to day 380 odd people um, all the way through those 5 days come on that we had 380 applications we had 100% applications come in because again we got to the end of that and rather than selling her her, her program we, we gave it away which was a huge stress off her shoulders by the way because she she dreaded trying to sell, pitch <laughs> her program, buy now, and you've got 24 hours of this and that, and there's, the time is running. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Oh, it's like, all that stuff was so out of integrity for her. Uh-huh. So when I told her, you can just give it away, she was like, what? Really? <laughs> but but the, her big thing, she's also from South Africa, and her big thing is, is supporting um, women who have gone through like, extraordinary, harsh, um, you know, traumas in their life to share their story um, with the world. So she ended up finding five extraordinary women from Africa who no way in their life would be able to have got the publication together and actually written it without her help. Um, and she gave them the program and she gave, you know, a couple of others away to to other people who also put applications. publication But for her, that was the big heartfelt stuff. How can we, how can I, through this program and through the way that we run the giving model, actually give to people in, who really deserve this. And there's no no way in the world financially that they could afford it or go through the process or have the support.
2: That's cool. That's really cool. So, John, one more question and we're at, we'll hmm. wrap everything up. I've, oh, yeah. Over this series of interviewing 100 seven-figure location independent entrepreneurs, you are the first one that comes from Bali. And we've interviewed a lot that, that uh, hang out in places like New York and California and Barcelona and Saigon and and Bangkok and all these places, but you're Yeah, the first, yeah you're, the, you're the you're the first one that, that hangs out in Bali. So I'm curious, what is it about Bali that that keeps you there?
1: Oh wow! Well, well, there's there's three three primary things. Number one, my daughter is Balinese. Um, mm-hmm. And I was able to adopt her after getting to Bali, you know, within literally a week of being in Bali, sitting in a cafe and seeing a four-week-old um, baby and having a conversation with this lady who was helping the mum and walking out going, oh, my God, that's my daughter. Wow. Was, and in and nine months t- after that, she, uh, you know, I had a cot in my bedroom. And uh, you know, three years later, fully adopted, and literally this last week, she became an Australian citizen. Oh wow! And Congratulations! And she's now seven years old. Wow! So, How cool! So that's that, that is number one. I I now have a physical human family um, connection here. I I have a home that I built for her called Villa Allegra um, in Bali that is for her to you know, to give to her as 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 her you know call it inheritance or her, you know, part of her, her, um, her culture of, you know, having, you know, being able to own land in Bali. Mm. Um, the second part is the culture of Bali. The Balinese people is some is, it's probably the most extraordinary culture I've ever met in my life. The, you know, especially outside of the the larger <laughs> the largest the towns, um, you find humans who are extraordinarily giving, humble, grateful for everything in their life. And they walk around with the biggest smiles, which are the smiles they have when you turn your back. It's not a put on smile. And, and, you know, when, when you see people still living in community who have really not been affected by us, nearly as much as many other cultures. Um, and, you know, we, we, we swarm all over Bali but they are hugely resilient through their culture, and they, you know, they're still in many, many parts of, you know, lot, most of the most of Bali still lives the way they used to live 100, 200 years ago. Um, and it's an, it's a, such a beautiful culture. It's such a friendly. It's such a giving culture. I, I can't tell you how many times I get gifts from um, the people who look after my villa. Our, our cleaning lady Kotut will come in and she'll bring me some some fruit from her tree, and I'm going like like seriously. Like <laughs> I, 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 you look at you look at them, you go, you are the one I should be giving the fruit to. You, know, <laughs> you are the one that that you know that that lives in in you know in I guess in, in the international world and in, in poverty. Uh-huh. But they don't see that. Yeah, they do not see the poverty. The, the way they support each other in the culture and how way money moves inside of a village from the richest to the poorest is. I've never seen it ever in my life, and I'm so so grateful to be there. I'm so extraordinarily grateful to have the people in my life who support me and support, you know, have supported my 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 daughter growing up, um, all the way to seven and and on. And so, like those those are the primary the primary two two things. And the third part of it is that uh, you know it's it's my little paradise. Um, I love being able to to go to Bali have all of the different aspects of it. you got Ubud, which is like so beautiful and spiritual. And I can go and let my hair down and go do ecstatic dance. And I can go do yoga and then I can get out of that and I can go back to the place that I live, which is way up the East Coast, um, away from everybody. And I can go and hide. And I have these beautiful beaches and, um, and things that are right there in front of me. I get to eat coconuts off the tree. 20 of them delivered to my door every day. And like <laughs> every weekend, I like, it's, it is just abundant, abundant, abundant in beauty and uh, in culture and, and health and life.
2: You're making me want to come. I haven't been. I've been a lot of places, but I haven't made it to Bali yet. But uh, well, you're making this me is want your to come official invite. <laughs> 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 I appreciate it, John. <laughs> We're going to wrap up there, and I want to say thank you, John, so much for sharing all your tips and tricks and your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on, where's the best place they could do that at?
1: Yeah, the best is on my website, JohnAbbott.me. A double bo double T. Dot M-E. Um, or even just send me a, an email, which is john at that, uh, that URL. And um, I'm very happy to connect in, especially if you're somebody who's, who's, uh, who's got an audience, you've been building a business, you're doing, you're doing great work, but you know that there's so much more impact that you, you can make by reaching more people and having, you know, having the opportunity to give them more guidance and help and assistance to their business, to their health, to their relationships. If that's someone like you, I'd love to talk to you on how we can impact the, uh, you know, make great impact on on this planet because that is my my big thing.
2: Incredible, John. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and listeners, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao. Thanks, Chris. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high performance productivity coaching and our annual get shit done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly. And whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.